Sunset Lake CBD is a majority employee-owned hemp farm located right outside of Burlington, Vermont. Before they started growing hemp, Sunset Lake Farms produced cream for Ben & Jerry's. Sunset Lake CBD doesn't use any pesticides or herbicides to grow any of its hemp plants, and they use organic fertilizer and other sustainable farming techniques to ensure the long-term health of the soil and to minimize their carbon footprint. So like all of us, my days are really stressful. By the end of the night, my kids are in bed, I'm taking a minute to chill, but I'm still unwinding. I recently started using the Relax Gummies infused with CBD isolate, reishi mushroom extract, and ashwagandha root extract. I'm really glad I tried these because they really helped me get ready for a good night of sleep, and I really think I sleep better, so I'd highly recommend it. So check out Sunset Lake CBD today at sunsetlakecbd.com and use the code HFPOD for 20% off your order. That's sunsetlakecbd.com and use the code HFPOD for 20% off your order. Farmer-owned, Vermont-grown, Sunset Lake CBD. Hey listeners, I want to tell you about a new partner, Arostia, a new coffee roaster based in Queens. This company was created by and is run by a huge fish fan, Andy Hollander, who hasn't caught a hold your head up since 12, 15, 95, but is definitely not bitter about it. I've had this coffee and it's really great. Andy started roasting coffee during the pandemic, taught himself, and then that turned into this label, Arostia, which launched late last year. I had a bag of the Ethiopian coffee and it was gone really quickly because I liked it so much and I drank a lot of it and I need more. The beans were grown at an altitude of 2,100 meters above sea level, which contributes to a dense bean that continues to develop its flavors after the roasting process is done. The tasting notes include apple, raisin, and caramel, and there are more coffees coming very soon. So support this fan-owned business and try the coffee today. And for Osiris listeners, there's a 10% discount code on the site. Use the code OSIRIS at checkout for 10% off your order, and stay tuned for the launch of a coffee subscription. You can order and sign up for the mailing list at arostia.com. That's A-R-O-A-S-T-I-A.com. And you can find Arostia on Instagram and Facebook. Thanks, Arostia. The energy transition is upon us. But what role will energy companies themselves, together with other businesses and governments, adopt in reaching net zero? Powered by How, an eight-part podcast series from Reuters Plus in partnership with Aramco, will explore innovations and technologies aiming to move us towards a more sustainable future. Join me, Nisha Pillay, for in-depth analysis of these questions. Aramco Powered by How. Listen now. This podcast is brought to you by the Showtime original Personality Crisis, One Night Only. Directed by Academy Award winner Martin Scorsese and Emmy nominee David Tedeschi, Personality Crisis, One Night Only celebrates the enduring cultural legacy of David Johansson's life and all of his personas. From his days as a pioneer of the punk rock movement, leading rock band New York Dolls, to his reinvention as Buster Poindexter, the chameleonic Johansson created a genre unto himself. Featuring a live performance, Personality Crisis, One Night Only is a testament to a performer who challenged the world to think about identity differently, changing music forever. Personality Crisis, One Night Only, streaming April 14th, only on Showtime. Streaming with Paramount+. Plus. Hey listeners, I want to tell you about a sponsor, Music Masters Collective. They're a nonprofit organization that produces unique music events, providing opportunities for fans and artists to meet and collaborate in an inspired and creative atmosphere. 
Every week, they host different events, all with the opportunity to learn from world-class musicians like Oteil Burbridge, Trouble No More, former members of the band, Milk Carton Kids, Nikki Glaspie, Bill Frizzell, Sean Colvin, and many more. This June, join the Fab Foe, Joan Osborne, John Sebastian, Marshall Crenshaw, and a great group of faculty for the debut of Magical Mystery Camp. This all-inclusive, once-in-a-lifetime music vacation experience in the heart of the Catskills will be packed with nightly performances, workshops, speakers, song circles, open mics, and a lot more. If you're a performing musician at any level, bring your instrument. If you're a music lover, bring your good spirit. It's an amazing experience for individuals, friends, and couples alike. Registration is open, spots are filling up, so check it out soon. And scholarships are available. Check out magicalmysterycamp.com slash helpingfriendly to learn more. Hi, friends. Welcome to episode number 26 of the Helping Friendly Podcast. Uh, This week, we're lucky enough to have Jake Sherman join us uh, and make a guest pick for us today. He picked 122811 from um, MSG, a little place you may have heard of. He writes about politics for a living um, and obviously is a a big fish fan. So I'm I'm glad you chose it because I think we we would still be stuck in like 93 to 97. (laughs) Um, if you hadn't, so so tell us a little bit about yourself, Jake. How you first got into fish and um, your first fish show and all those things. So my first fish show was, <clears throat> excuse me, kind of late in the process. Um, I was a uh, my dad's a big Dead fan, and I grew up nice. listening to the Dead. And actually, he he got me into fish. I wasn't a huge fish fan uh, until nice. about two thousand and three or two thousand and four, really. Um, I my first show was that first uh, Brooklyn night in two thousand and four. Uh, oh, on wow. that on that what I, I I'm not a big uh, that's a depressing tour for me. <laughs> um, yeah. And I felt like I cut it. I, I got into the band and uh, they were done. And uh, that was a little sad. And yeah, uh, uh, also and, a huge party though, right? Brooklyn. It, yeah. Oh, it was crazy. It was, yeah. it was totally crazy. And um, I, I, it was actually the night before my uh, high school graduation in 2004. I'm, I'm young. Um, nice. So I guess, I guess I just gave away my age, but I, don't, I, don't, <laughs> yeah. I guess I don't, I also don't give a shit. So the one show um, uh, before the, the breakup and then uh, I suffered through four years of college without seeing any fish. I saw uh, some Trey. I saw some Mike. Mm-hmm. I don't know if I saw Mike in that era, but I saw Trey. Uh, and then in 2009, when they got back together, uh, I hit up some summer shows. Um, nice. But I've seen I've seen them since 2009, 40 something times. So I mean, oh, I'm, no. not, I'm not I'm not I'm uh, not on tour with them all the time. Um, but I, I I hop out as much as humanly possible, and I yeah, I travel I do I do travel a ton uh, to see them. So it's been a good couple of years. That's awesome, and I, I guess. Just to, to give you our perspective, I mean, Brad and I started seeing him in '95, and um, 2004. Just to echo what you were saying, was a it was just a it was a depressing year overall. Yeah, yeah. It was, you know, there it was clear what was going on. It was clear that things had gone way downhill. 
and it was um i was working on a campaign actually in florida in 2004 and traveled to coventry like overnight you know to get there and walk seven miles and all that and it was like <laughs> it was sad and then of course florida in 2004 did not go my way as a democrat so yeah um so yeah. it was like two bad things <laughs> yeah 2004 so it, was, it was a rough um year but i'm really glad that you you hopped back on in 09 yeah. as 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 everyone did and it sounds like you're pretty pretty you feel good about where they are now oh i feel great i think um uh I only caught two nights of MSG, but I caught a bunch on the fall tour. And um, there's a certain maturity, I think, that Fish has now that they didn't, that they were kind of, I think they spent from 2009 to 2013 figuring out how to get that maturity. I mean, when I, I was talking to somebody recently, uh, the folks at Headcount, uh, who I did an interview with about, about this a couple, a couple uh, weeks ago, and I think it didn't come out really well in, in, in print, but like mm -hmm. in, in the, like I love nineties fish. I love 95. I love 97. I love, I love all that stuff. Um, but like hearing Trey wail on a, you know, just on a, a, a loop for like 20 minutes, isn't like, that doesn't do it for me anymore. You know what I yeah, mean? Yeah, yeah. That was cool in that yeah. era. And I like that. And I, I appreciate that for what it, for what it was and what it is. But, um, I just think that the music, the playing, the interplay is, is just so much more mature now, and um, uh, it's evolved. And I think that's that's yeah, a good, that's a really good thing. That's a really good thing. That's a really I good think, way of putting it. Brad and I have talked yeah. about that, right? The, the maturity, the patience, the interplay, all that. I mean, it's it's very clear. Sorry, Brad. Yeah, it's an astute point, and there and there's no doubt about that. Uh, you know, if you just got off in 2004 and hadn't heard anything recently, you'd probably have some gripes about the band generally, right? Uh, yeah, I mean. I, I I feel like most people felt that they kind of left things on like uh, you know half finished you know yeah, um, yeah. and uh, and they all and this is obvious but they all have their different things that they're doing and I think that they like that and um, sometimes I get concerned how aloof Mike seems and talking about fish and he's like you know yeah they're, we're recording an album I'm like in somewhere else doing something else and, right, right. and it's I'm like uh, that doesn't sound great but yeah. um, they all he's a weird dude I think yeah oh, he's a, <laughs> yeah he's a very strange dude and they all seem to be in a, a pretty good place um, and uh, I, I'm hoping for a spring tour hopefully by the time this posts we'll know about a spring tour yeah I'm not, I'm yeah not, that'd be cool I'm not convinced about that um uh, but yeah, I, I feel I feel very very good about where they are. We um, it's funny. I was I was trying to stir up some shit the other day on Twitter about the his comment in in that um, in well, Rolling Stone interview. Yeah, because yep. it just seemed like first of all, I'm like Mike, you're full of shit. Like he's it's like it comes across. He's like, yeah, fish. You know, it's pretty cool. But like I got this other <laughs> stuff going on. I'm like, really? You know? Yeah, I know you about know them. Yeah, it, fish. It, I heard them. Yeah, but I actually think that's what's keeping them alive in a certain mm -hmm. way you know i, I don't yeah. think that i don't think that um they would make it if they were just doing fish alone so i think that's a good that's a that's a good thing yeah it's probably too much fish in 2004 for them and that's kind of why they ended up where they were but you know what i mean it was just non-stop yeah. and, yeah. and trey talks about it for sure it was non-stop so but um Anyway, so we always like to ask our guests, um, you know, what, what moment, if they can recall, um, would be you described as your it moment um, from a show. Was it your first show? Was it something recently? Was it something that got you hooked? Just talk a little bit about that. Actually, it's something from this show, um, which I guess I won't I, – uh, we could leave someone talking about this show uh, for when we talk about the show, but um, – 
I, that first MSG show, I mean, I had already seen 20 or 30 shows at that point. So, I mean, it, I, this was not, I, I'm probably a little bit fewer than that, a little bit less than that. But um, I actually have a lot of it moments, and I have an it Nothing moment almost. That. I have an it moment almost every show. I mean, some shows I just don't, I don't feel, and it's just like whatever, mm -hmm. you know. I, I it's still yeah. going to a fish show, but um, you know, whether it's glow sticks or I mean, listen, I'm I grew up in outside of New York, so MSG has a special a special place in my in my heart. Um, and but I had a cool moment. I was talking about this last night actually with a lapsed fish fan um, or two nights ago. Still, uh, still lapsed, or he still lapsed wow. actually. Actually, actually, we were talking about fish, and it was like she hadn't even thought she'd traveled with them in in the early two thousands and late nineteen nineties, and it was like when I mentioned it, it was like it, it awakened a part of, of her body that hadn't that hadn't like been been sparked for some time. So it was kind of a cool experience. But um, uh, Chicago this summer, um, when I at the Northerly Isle show, which I thought were kind of a weird experience. I didn't go to the first night, uh, and I remember I was in Chicago on that Saturday, and um, I, I heard they were doing three sets, and I said to my girlfriend, who's mm. uh, a casual fish fan, probably by osmosis, um, <laughs> no I was choice, like, yeah. and she didn't really understand what I was saying, but I said to her, and I said to, I texted my friend, I said, if they start with Prince Caspian, on the next day, you know, where, where they left off. Like it would yeah, be such yeah. a fish, it would be such a fish move. And it would just, it, it would just, it, it was one of those moments where everyone kind of knew what was going on. And it was like, yeah. it was just a very fish moment where they just, they picked up where they left off. And it, it, I just thought that was super cool. Uh, people who don't really know fish and don't understand fish don't get that. But I thought that was right. an awesome, an awesome moment. You know, it's just like, Everyone's on the same page. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. It just it felt it felt really cool. Um, yeah. that was a long night of fish and a rainy weekend, but uh, yeah, that was really cool. That's awesome. Um, well, Jake, so um, you you tweet from um, at Jake Sherman as your mm -hmm. sort of professional Twitter. Um, yep. Just wanted to ask about the the fish community and and how you interact with the fish community online. I mean, you you write for a living, so I'm interested to hear. Do you? Um, what do you see as the sort of value of, you know, everyone who writes, tweets, blogs, talks about fish? Do you pay attention? Do you think it's worthwhile? What, where do you think it's, like, come from since 2009? Just sort of give us your, your opinion on all that. Twitter's opened up, like, a whole, obviously. I mean, this is obvious. I'm not saying anything that's revolutionary here, but Twitter's totally changed everything, especially in the in the music realm. I mean, mm. I, I try to stay mm. off the fantasy tour as much as I, I read it, but it's just, it's just a poisonous place. Yeah, it's you can't, but you can't just like forget about it. No, it's I, always I, there. And you know what? <laughs> as much shit as people, uh, give fantasy tour about, I mean, the, the dates are usually right. So I mean, or right, they're close, right. you know? Um, but, uh, I t like I, I when people are always tweeting good shows or good videos. I mean, that's actually a cool thing. I mean, there's so many awesome videos that I, I, I miss MK Devo. I want to say that, but um, yeah, so many great videos that are distributed on Twitter. And also, mm -hmm. um, you you meet a lot of people. I'm on this. Um, I'm actually on a, a Google listserv called uh, Journo Fish, and it's um, a bunch of fish fans who are in the media and politics oh, cool. realm. Actually, the, the New Republic did a, a short piece on it. Yeah, uh, it's like a se uh, secret fish community. It's not that secret. Or, or, or <laughs> not anymore. Not. For that matter. But, uh, uh, really but cool, though. 
it is really cool. And um, and also, uh, D.C. has a very vibrant fish community, even in the in the politics realm. I was telling some people the other night that most of the the political people I know who like fish are, are Republicans. Weirdly enough, that's great. Uh, so uh, a lot of and, Southerners too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There's a ton of yes. There's a ton of that. Um, uh, but it's a very vibrant community, and um, I'd probably tweet about fish from a professional account more than other people. Uh, yeah. and, and that's right. I don't think anyone really, my bosses don't seem to care about that, but it, it's totally. <laughs> do you read show reviews and, and go yeah. to Twitter and online to like, do you absorb all that stuff even as a writer? Does it, do you think it makes it more interesting to you or? Well, I mean, I, yes, I do read a lot of show reviews mm-hmm. and I think we're all, we could just let, I read Mr. Minor and mm-hmm. I, I think he, uh, I think sometimes he's a little bit, to I mean, listen. It's the it's the he has this argument with people all the time on Twitter, and you know he's he always says you know you're allowed to criticize the show. We're starting from the basis that I'm happy Fish is back together and I'm happy Fish is playing. Right, I find right. I find sometimes his I find sometimes he's just he's critical in, in strange and almost illogical ways. But I think he's great for the community, and I think he you know he is the 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 only he's the best at what he does, um, obviously, and. Uh, um, every moment seems to be revolutionary for him, though it's 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 it's, it's a bizarre. I, but I, he's a, he's good. I like. Yeah, it. he he has no. There's no shortage of of superlatives and adjectives for sure. It's interesting. I mean, I feel like a little bit bad for him because I feel like if he when he writes, you know, the overly positive, glowing reviews, people are like. You're the, you're the biggest yeah. fluffer in the world, and then when he writes a bad review, people are like, "You're such an entitled dickhead." <laughs> you know, you can't really win. Um, he's yeah. a nice guy. We talked to him a, a while ago on, the, mm-hmm. on this, but he. Um, and then there's there's so many new new writers who have come up in the last like yeah. what one to two years, right? Like t- dozens of blogs, including our good friends Zach and Andy, and you know many many others. It's really right. interesting to to us. Yeah, and um, and I, I actually think that there's. There's a book to be written, uh, or a piece to be written about fish that hasn't been written in a in a mainstream way. I think, um, I hope someone will do it, and I hope someone will will take the time to do it. I, I read the, um, I forget who it's by, the one that just came out a couple years ago, um, which was really good. But um, I think that they're at a moment where like you could really do. They, they're really at an interesting moment. It actually, if uh, Bob Costa, who now writes for the Washington Post, mm-hmm. who's a big fish fan. Um, he and I talked about it, uh, and, and me saying this on, on here hopefully pressures him into agreeing to do it with me. But um, we talked about doing like some sort of ebook um, before the MSG run to just say, like, to just capture kind of the moment that Fish is in, and uh, it, it never came to fruition. But uh, they're in a really interesting moment that I think really could be captured in a, in a, a, a really good way. Yep, and I'm I'm glad that they've got we've got all these different uh, mediums, you know, including Medium.com, mm-hmm. where everybody can put their thoughts out there. Whereas before, and this is to Mr. Miner's credit, you know, he was the one he was doing what a lot of people are doing now, but he, without you know, without a blog or without a you know the internet, because he started in the, you know the '90s, yeah, and c- kind of compiled it all into his fish thoughts, right? Yeah, and, yeah. and was like pushing it on on the uh, on the lot, which you know is is old school, I guess, comparatively to you know what we do now. Yeah, it, the, it, and and to that point, the community has evolved in an interesting way. I mean, obviously, there was a lot of stuff passed around in in, in lots uh, for yeah. years, and now it's all you know passed around online, and you can kind of live the experience every day, uh, which is really cool. Yeah, I would just add, I, we we mentioned Zach and Andy, and you know the 
there's so many other people we've corresponded with through this podcast and on Twitter, like Brian Brinkman and, and Wax Banks and um, James Kaminsky and like so many other people who are just who have just dove in and like contributed so much. And there, there's got to be I agree with you about the book and there's got to be some people out there thinking the same thing you know yeah i think so yeah or even just a magazine profile mm-hmm. not even a profile i mean the, the question is how i mean how, how many people actually care and, and, and would read it and, and mm-hmm. what's what's the what's the mainstream value of it but um what i try to tell people is uh, people who aren't into fish is like this is a band that's selling out Madison Square Garden four nights in a row every year. I mean, <laughs> right. this is a band that makes millions, one of the high, highest grossing tour bands out. I mean, and I think people kind of forget that sometimes because it is a very insular community. And um, you know what I mean? It's just it's, uh, people kind of forget that this is a, a mainstream band making a lot of money in huge venues. So right. <laughs> I think yeah, it's, it's, a, it's a huge community. And, um, you know, if you're not part of it, I don't think you know how how big it is right and secondly i think you've got probably some sort of preconceived notion whether it's good or bad but um you know we're just glad that more people can can get in tune touch with each other right nowadays um yeah so anyway let's jump into the show you picked uh 12 28 11 from madison square garden yeah um you know uh, i was saying a little bit earlier that um we listened to i've been listening to a lot especially over the past six months, a ton of 2013, obviously, and then um, probably, you know, 93 to 97, 98, a lot, you know, and that's it. I hadn't really been listening to, to anything in between. So it's, it's, I'm glad that you brought this back and we got to listen to it again. I listened to it twice in two days because, you know, I liked it so much the first time. So yeah, um, excited to hear it. Uh, we talked about MSG before, but, you know, this is obviously the, the most played venue for the band other than, you know, their hometown gigs in the, in the 80s. Um, 34 times they've played here, so that's that's cool. It's obviously part of uh, the the community in the realm nowadays. So we're excited to listen to it. Um, hit us up on iTunes or review us on iTunes. Hit us up on Twitter, and you can always email us at helpingfriendlypodcast at gmail dot com. Let's dive into the first set. We'll see you back here at set break. Enjoy the show.
This podcast is brought to you by the Showtime original Personality Crisis, One Night Only. Directed by Academy Award winner Martin Scorsese and Emmy nominee David Tedeschi, Personality Crisis, One Night Only celebrates the enduring cultural legacy of David Johansson's life and all of his personas. From his days as a pioneer of the punk rock movement, leading rock band New York Dolls, to his reinvention as Buster Poindexter, the chameleonic Johansson created a genre unto himself. Featuring a live performance, Personality Crisis, One Night Only is a testament to a performer who challenged the world to think about identity differently, changing music forever. Personality Crisis, One Night Only, streaming April 14th, only on Showtime. Streaming with Paramount+. Plus. What is a city without its music? The legacy of the New York Philharmonic is incredible. Nearly two centuries of history. That's a lot of music and a lot of stories. I was sitting on stage for the very first time thinking, I can't quite believe this is happening. Join me, Jamie Bernstein, as we explore the history of the New York Philharmonic. It's the NY Phil story made in New York. A podcast about a city, its people, and their orchestra. Listen wherever you get podcasts. Welcome back. That was uh, set one from 1228, which was Free Glide Possum, Cities uh, Curtis Lowe, Stash, Contact, Sample in a Jar, Kill Devil Falls, Into Bathtub Gin. Uh, free was, I mean, the, the core of the show, for me at least, uh, was that free opener, which was the first free opener, I think, ever. Uh, the first yeah. free set one opener ever. Um, and I remember I was sitting on the, if you're facing the stage, I was on Mike's side, and um, I remember that moment. I just remember uh, hearing <laughs> those opening chords. Nice. And and, for, and I said this, I put this, uh, I, I think I told one of you, or maybe I was talking, maybe I was talking to myself, I don't know. But um, <laughs> that, it, it was like the, it, it captured the moment that I felt like I was in better than any uh, fish show or fish moment I had uh, experienced because uh, I had seen a lot of fish that year. I think I had seen, I'd gone out to Chicago to the UIC. I saw one UIC show. So I've been doing a lot. I went to Sam, I went to Outside Lands, some Southern shows. So it was a big summer and I admit, I missed seeing them a ton and um, uh, it was just, like it, it just captured the moment so well, um, like especially like the um, uh, feel the feeling I forgot and just and Trey felt it too. You could just tell it was <laughs> nice. like I mean in that in his first solo it was it, it was it's still the, I think the best free I've heard or maybe I'm just wrapped up in the moment. But yeah. um, but because well, you were there cool. too. I mean yeah, there's yeah. always that you know emotive yeah. response to it. So. Yeah yeah totally. So I thought it was awesome and I still listen to it probably almost as much as any other. Any other uh, uh, fish show? Nice. So uh, that's and it's awesome. great to have it. Yeah. 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 So I thought, and really, the thing that sticks out to me about this set is the first four songs. I mean, mm-hmm. the the, mm-hmm. the the free glide possum opener. I thought was just, and I, listen, I, I shit on possum as much as the next guy. Um, <laughs> and when they played nice. a possum encore this year, I was just like, oh god. Um, right. Right. Uh, but 
it is a unique thing seeing it at a really energized MSG. And yeah. that was back in the day. God, it wasn't back days four, three years ago, but when or two years ago, when when you used to be able to walk around the garden, you know, right. you used to yeah. be able to right. to be in the aisles, and which you can't do anymore, obviously. So um, right. I thought that was super cool. Yeah, the um, I, I agree. Like going back, having not listened to the show in a little while, going back and and listening to the, I think the first the first few songs definitely set it apart. Um, and after you know, after free going into glide. Um, this is the second second glide since 3.0 or of 3.0, and it seems like you know, and they've so they've played it three times since 2004, and all of them have been at Madison Square Garden, including including uh, last New Year's. But you know, I think a lot of people talk about the most most shows spell something. The whole like uh, concept of Fish having intentions of playing songs. I'm not. I don't always buy it. Like sometimes I do, yeah. but I feel like playing glide is was a statement you know yeah i think i, mm-hmm. I agree it is one song that does say something and mm-hmm. it does it yeah i completely agree well and and you know the free the first free opener before it i think is is an intent to right a statement as yeah, well so totally. free into glide and then into possum which is one of the oldest and you know i think most energized songs especially like you said when the crowd's energized so yeah um for me, Glide, you know, it's it's cool. It's it's a nice. I I think of it as an old school song, but it's not as old as other songs. You know, it was, sorry, it's debuted in the '90s, early '90s, and the mat, the vast majority uh, of the plays of Glide was from '92 to '94, um, and not really played a whole bunch uh, after that. So you know, and we all have the Coventry Glide and fresh in our minds still, even though it was like ten years ago, almost ten years ago now. Yeah. So. Right, I mean, it's crazy that it's the first thing that I think of when I hear it. So, definitely, um, I want to take that. I want to take that entire 2004 summer tour off my iPod, but I just, <laughs> I, I, I don't have, I don't have the heart to do that. You know, yeah, I, yeah, yeah. I, the same thing for me. I, I hardly ever listen to, it, and I just added the Hampton show from summer this morning. Um, oh, which really? I to listen to on the fly because nice. there's like a chalk dust opener and a bathtub that I think are like pretty good. But I, I it's probably probably will be the first 2004 show I've listened to, and like maybe two years like i just can't i can't do it it's it's i i think there's probably some moments of greatness in there but when i hear the sound it like takes me back to a place i don't want to be you know me too and and i i I listen to uh, a lot of music when I run, and I'm not looking at the screen all the time. But I yeah. always know that I always know when I'm hearing yeah. something from 2004 because yeah. it was just so biz- it was just so bizarre. It was. I mean, I think we also lose sight of how strange it was for a band to say, "Okay, I mean, maybe it's not that strange," but for them to say, "You know, this is it," and then do like a three or four, whatever that was, a three month, uh, two month tour, or whatever. Yeah. So I thought that was very strange. Possum is like I think Possum is one of those songs where you. Um, when you're there, it's always fun, right? Right, it's like, right, I agree. Like, listening yeah. back is not always that fun. I mean, it's just about the energy, and obviously they love playing, and it's funny they, they like, sort of use it to troll us, you know? Oh, yeah. totally, totally. Which totally. is fun, but it's always fun, and they love, they obviously love playing it, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah, and it, it's, it, it is, it does have, like, I've been with people at shows where they, people who, who aren't big Fish fans, and sometimes when they play Possum, you could tell, like, even, even if, you know, for whatever it is, it's, it, it, it is a, people get into it and people understand like, yeah. wow, this, you know, this is a, this is a band that I could understand why people like seeing this band now. <laughs> yeah. It's a fun, catchy tune live. No <laughs> doubt about it. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. And that yeah. cities actually, I thought was, I mean, listen, anytime they play cities in New York, it's always kind of a, yeah. I, I always take something from that, but I actually think that's a great cities. And, um, 
The crowd was raucous. Yeah, and um, there was great interplay between Trey and Paige um, in that cities. Better than I, I actually think there was another great cities that year in uh, in uh, Bethel, which is an awesome venue. I don't know why they don't mm-hmm. play there anymore, but right. um, there was a great cities that, that that was a summer of some good cities. I thought. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. So, and it's. Um, I thought it was. I thought it was a really great cities, and in fact, I think RJ, you noted it. It's it's on Fish.net's little you know jam chart. Yeah. Um, for the out of the seventy three times you know they played they've played cities, only so many are on that chart. So it's 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 an out there cities. It's I thought it was fucking great. Honestly. Yeah, I thought it was awesome too. And the Fish.net, my my one quibble with some of their jamming things is like I think on this one they note that it fizzles out prematurely. Where I'm like. Yeah. <laughs> I'm like, yeah, I guess that's one perspective, but on the other hand, it was yeah. like an 11-minute awesome jam that's like right. moving into a, it moves moves into like a rhythmic, beautiful place. You know, it wrote a yeah. great, great jam. Um, I thought it yeah, was, yeah, but I actually, I'll, I'll quibble with, I'll, I'll continue to quibble with Fish.net about that because I actually don't think that anything is premature because they're not playing, they're not playing it for a reason right like the, they, they're stopping it they're stopping it because they're not feeling it and, that's it yeah and, and, and there's no like that's that's it so they need that there's no premature you the, know the right, they they're playing it the right way right i mean that's them, the right. that, that going right. back to the harpoon chicago i mean yeah yeah right when it went out there man it was an mm-hmm. amazing jam and then they're like well like, it's, that's over and like i can just picture fishman like shrugging his shoulders like all right what's next you know like yeah. that was fun yeah, like he he did in that Carini from twelve twenty nine of this year, um, yeah. and I thought of this city's specifically. Um, it reminded me; it was like a preview for me for that Dick's Undermine um, the next year, the next summer, uh, in that mm-hmm. Fuck Your Face show. God, that Undermine was you know what I mean. That was just like yeah. a highlight for me, and I can kind of hear them getting there um, in this cities. I don't know if I'm no, yeah, I think there. very like very briefly, yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. It's really yeah, good, totally. and it must have been. Um, I was actually at the next night, the 29th of 2011. So this, but this um, after these first four songs, I mean, Jake, you must have been pretty psyched. Yeah, it was it was awesome, and um, actually, <laughs> looking back on that show, um, I the, that was the highlight of that. I mean, the second set was good. It was a good second set. Uh, it was. I thought it was a good hood. I you know I, I liked it. Um, decent tweezer and everything like that but that those four those four songs were like the core of that show for me like it was i I actually remember emailing bob costa and he was supposed to come up and he didn't come up which he likes to do he's a busy guy um and i was like dude you're missing you're you're missing it right now this is this is excellent and so uh, glad you were there right yeah (laughs) and actually you said you were at the next night which i actually take those two nights kind of in tandem because that second mm-hmm. night that 1229 show was out of this world to me i mean for me i thought it was that the first two the sloth yam was like i, I had a friend with me that night uh, who had never seen fish one of my best friends didn't understand what i was you know <laughs> what I, what the hell i was doing and when that when after that yam i was like dude when that yam started i was like this is going to be a special this is going to be a special show um nice. so those two, I thought those two nights were like peak fish for me. Those were the two, like the two greatest nights in my fish life. <laughs> that's yeah, great. That's totally fair. Yeah, um, and, yeah. and we're, I'm, you know, it's awesome that you're here sharing it with us. But um, I wanted, I had a question at the end of that city. You know, when Mike drops that crazy bomb. Yep. Um, what was it like there when in, within the garden? 
it that's just it's just it, it that when he does that kind of stuff in the garden it's just wild mm-hmm. it's 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 you know phil lesh once said um the thing one of the reasons he loves playing the garden fish i think people in fish have said this too but um it the garden used to be i think it still is it's suspended on um cables so it's not on a ground floor mm-hmm. and, yeah, and you yeah. kind of know that when you're going up the escalators to get to like the, right. the, one, the 100 section or the floor you're actually like a couple stories up yeah. so when, when when he drops a bomb like that the place is like you could yeah. feel it you could really feel like almost the place moving underneath <laughs> and um uh, yeah, I've definitely felt the floor move underneath. Yeah, it, it, it's kind it. of it's kind of unsettling, frankly. But um, <laughs> I remember that too. It was like it would, you felt it in your bones. It's my That's favorite awesome. place to see fish by far. I mean, I try to go mm-hmm. every time they're there, and it's um, I mean, it's just the the energy and is unbelievable. And there's something pretty special about that room, even even the sort of new newly renovated. I guess yeah. um, still pretty awesome. I um, did you you went to some of the shows this past. I did the middle two nights because of the, and I was kicking myself my uh, for not going New Year's Eve. But um, I I had just come back from the Middle East where I was on uh, I was I was on a vacation a trip and um, I literally actually landed on I guess the second night was twelve twenty nine right that makes yeah. sense and yep. um, I landed at Kennedy from Turkey. Uh, with my friend, actually the friend who I saw that Sloth Yam show with. Nice. And uh, oh, nice. He, t- he took my luggage back to his apartment, and um, I literally went from Kennedy with my passport in my pocket to the garden. <laughs> so, oh, yeah, so it was a long, long, like I guess, you know, six, you know, almost 40 hours or something like that of <laughs> being awake. But yeah, but I that 12 show paid off. Yeah, I actually yeah. got there during, like, as they were opening the show. So, like, I didn't even, oh, nice. I expected to get there for the second set, but, or for at least halfway through the first set, but I, I got there during the MoMA dance, and yeah, that was a, that was an awesome show. And I agree with you, the New Garden is different. It's much more, it's much cleaner, you know, you know, it's kind yeah, of, yeah. it's, it, it's not as gritty, um, but, uh, you know, I, it's still awesome. And yeah, that 1229 show was wild, and that Waves was, I thought was, I love hearing Waves in the Garden, because they first played waves in the garden yeah. so um, nice. i thought it was really cool and and so the rest of this first set is um there are a couple highlights toward the end i don't know if you guys had thoughts about the curtis low stash contact um before they start moving toward the end I, I had some notes on bathtub which i thought was is always a great set closer but what do you guys think right. about those sort of middle of the set songs i thought um curtis is they they played a lot i felt like they played a lot of curtis low that year um or maybe i just heard it a bunch i mm-hmm. but um i remember i heard it at bethel i heard it in raleigh so maybe they didn't play it a lot but uh actually i'm looking at it right now and they only played it bethel raleigh and the garden yeah you saw i was, I was awesome. at all of those shows so they did um, a lot for you yeah, I guess they did. Um, maybe because of me. Um, <laughs> uh, but that I actually really like that contact. Um, mm-hmm. I haven't heard contact a ton. Mm-hmm. I think I think it's a cool song, and yeah. um, it, it in a weird way it gets it, that Mike gets the credit. My, I think Mike stands out at the Garden, and yeah, um, yeah, definitely in 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 awesome ways. So um, hearing that in the Garden was really cool. Nice. I have. Um, you know, Curtis Lowe is all right to me, but anytime I hear Leonard Skinner, you know, I'm on old Neil's side, so. Um, <laughs> page, <laughs> um, I mean, you know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, it's it, it's really nice to hear him. I, I yeah. agree. Uh, but Kill Devil Falls, 
I just I guess chatted about it for a second. I like it. Um, you know, since two thousand nine, uh, that they've been, you know, the meaning of it. I guess not that they've been playing it, but just the meaning of it behind it for me. It's a it's a cool song. I like the bluesy groove, you know, and and the lyrics I think are definitely meaningful to Trey. So it's I like to hear it. Yeah. Um, and especially the first set, like towards the end of the first set, it it ends it with energy. So in the bathtub, obviously that follows it is really a nice one too for me at the end of a first set. Yeah, I I I, I agree um, with your assessment of Kill of Kill Devil Balls, and there have been a couple really great versions mm-hmm. um, that I'm kind of forgetting. I think they. They took it out in Bethel, I think, in that, that year. They did a nice version in Bethel. Mm-hmm. But um, it, is a, it is a special song for him, um, kind of like Steam is, I think. Um, but mm-hmm. in, in, the same, in the same manner, I think they're actually similar almost lyrically um, to me. But, yeah, it, it, that bathtub is also pretty nice. Yeah, the, the bathtub, I thought, was – I just think it works well as a set closer. Like this um, – I was at Halloween this past year, and they closed set one with it, and – I just think it's a nice, nice set closer. It's sort of um, evolved in terms of placement, you know. Yeah. Um, and I guess it's still different. They could play it first, second, whatever. But I feel like they've started to play it more toward the end of the first set in in this era. Um, and this one has some really nice, really nice soloing from Trey toward the end. I think it's a really nice, nice way to close out the set and a really cool interesting different first set um jake thanks for bringing us back to this i thought it was really really cool to listen to yeah yeah totally so with that i guess we'll just get straight into the second set um and then we'll be back after the encore to discuss um so let's get on to a second set of 12 
cool. That was set to Birds of a Feather, Carini, into Tweezer, into My Friend, My Friend, into Rock and Roll, and I See You, Bouncing Around the Room, Harry Hood, and Bug. Birds of a Feather is my girlfriend's favorite song, so I have to I have to at least pay some some homage <laughs> to that. Yeah. But yeah, exactly. To me, and then this is toward the end of the set, but I love hearing Harry Hood in the garden. I think that if if you're talking about like an it moment or one of the it moments mm. that, that I have with fish. Um, it's definitely hearing Harry Hood in the garden. I think there's nothing like it uh, in 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 the fish kind of world, just because it's yeah. it's such a it's such a it has so many elements, and it's such a the crowd is involved so much in that song. Yeah. And and I that show, you know, when you I had this ingrained in my mind, just the 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 glow sticks in that hood stand nice. like I was from an elevated point of view, and you just see like. Yeah, it, like if, if if again, if someone who hadn't seen fish before saw that, you'd think it's planned, but it's just like it, it's just like the entire crowd is doused in in, in glow sticks. And I think it's really awesome. I've actually run from the floor to like the seats or like the second section of a venue to, to watch the to watch it. Yeah, um, there's nothing just for like that very at, reason at a yeah. show, in my opinion, in any any show, anytime. Harry Hood's my favorite. It's but yep. along with Tweezer, it's it's the song that just gets me every time, no matter what. And the garden is 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 amazing, um, place for it. And we'll let's get back to that um, in a sec. But let's talk about that Carini a little bit. This is like, I think this is my the most interesting song of 3.0 to me, Carini. Right. Um, and this is one of the first ones that sort of goes a little bit further yeah. out. Um, and then they go into that like major chord, you know, not like um, some of the the later versions in 2012 and, and this year, but um, Fishman's yelling and it's getting all mm. crazy and then they start floating off into like a more reflective, you know. Yeah, it gets, it gets pretty patient or whatever. The, space, the yeah. yeah, I mean, that was um, pretty cool and then, I don't know, right into that tweezer, but I don't know, Jake, on, on the Carini, were you um, were you surprised that they sort of, you know, the length of it or, or, or the, the yeah, changing the chords and all that? And it set the stage. I think what you were saying is right from like a uh, a uh, pulled back perspective. Mm-hmm. Um, that Carini, I believe, you know, I wasn't at the show because I it was the, the, the one of the many battles we've had in Washington. I had to leave. I, I saw in 2012, I had to leave, but there was a great Carini. I think it was 12:30, and right at the garden, there was a really good Carini in in 2000. And I agree that this kind of sets the stage for for that exploration that yeah. um, that we've seen in this in this era. But yeah, it was definitely it was twelve thirty twenty twelve. It was an awesome. It was twenty years later, Carini backwards down the number line, and um, it, it was definitely it, this was definitely a next level type uh, type Carini. Yeah, it's 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 cool because I I never would have predicted it in '97 when it was first played that it was going to be like this, you know, amazing vehicle. Fifteen years later, or whatever. So. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's 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 it. it, it, it yeah, it's kind of like what, a goofy song, you know. Like it's it's not it's not a serious tune. It's like ha ha ha, getting right, getting, exactly. Getting getting uh, it's like, uh, it, some it, the first time it. I heard it, uh, it reminded me of big black big black furry creature from Mars for obvious yeah. reasons. You know what I mean? But yeah, it obviously. Totally. I think they started playing it in Europe in 97 where everything right. was all weird anyway and then it just like <laughs> and but like this year you know I think it's it's very obvious that it's like it's maybe the song of the year this year right between yeah. the Hampton version and yeah SPAC and Hampton and AC and MSG on the 29th that was the highlight of the show for me on 1229 yeah. I was like yeah. I sweated through my clothes I was just it was like 
I don't know what it was. It was just the way they were they were uh, grooving oh, together, you know. So intense. Um, yeah, it's great. And it, I mean, listen, it does have the the like the music makings of a good fish tune of like a, a fish tune that could right, be right. that could be uh, uh, moved beyond the the core. Uh, so yeah, I, I it, it's definitely gone to a new level. So it's funny, RJ, you said that because I think the other option. Or you know, number two candidate for song of the year of 2013 is Tweezer, which is you know what they go into yeah. out of this Carini, and um, it was it's a different start to to Tweezer. You yeah. know, they kind of that Carini was really quiet and slowed down by the time they get to this Tweezer, so it's not like that raucous beginning. Um, but it yeah. it's, it's it was really it, they picked it up right away and it was great and it was I mean it's just a fucking funk dance party. Yeah, and after they, after they get into it, you know. It, it is a great tweezer, and we kind of lose sight. I at least I have just because there have been so many ridiculous tweezers in the yeah. last yeah. in the last two years yeah. between Ta- Tahoe and Hartford this year, which I was at, which was an awesome, awesome tweezer. Um, I think it was Hartford. Yeah, I think it was Hartford. Um, so yeah, but this is a great one. It's a good one, and. Uh, has the streets of Cairo tweezes, uh, tease tweezes, yeah. Yeah, has, has fish.net <laughs> notes. Um, right. Uh, but yeah, it was, Trey was feeling it, I thought. I thought there was some good, some good playing by Trey. Yeah, and he, I think it, what's interesting, and this is definitely the number one song that I hope for every show I go to. Um, yeah. It, um, it's really like Trey kind of is in the background almost in his soloing at the beginning, and mm-hmm. then Mike and Paige sort of pick it up and drive yeah. it for a while, and then Trey joins back in, and then they like, you can hear, you can, or at least I could literally hear it when they all kind of four lock in toward you know toward the latter part of the jam and then it's just it's nice it's like you know brad i think you pointed out it just it was just funky you know there was it was just a party Um, which happened that happens at that as we all know that happens at the garden very (laughs) easily and to veer away from the show for one second but stay on the garden i was disappointed by the wombat at the garden because i i had it built up in my head as this it it was going to be this ridiculous dance (laughs) party and it kind of was like when it happened i was like eh, (laughs) this is not that great maybe that's not how everyone felt but i i didn't I thought it was kind of, it was kind of lacking something. Yeah, yeah, and it's weird. That's a that's just an odd song. I don't know. I'm I'm trying to figure out if it's going to be anything or if it's just going to yep. be a silly, you know. You know what I'm kind of afraid of, and this is totally off topic, is that, you know, Mike said it's it's not going to be called Wingsuit anymore. Yeah. Um, I, I hope they don't get rid of Wingsuit as a song because I actually really like that song, and uh, they didn't play yeah, it at too. the. They didn't play it at the Garden, which I was very surprised about, um, and I, I really like it. So I hope it. I hope they, that sticks around. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, we didn't hear it. It was like that was a big takeaway for me um, after being at Halloween and and mm-hmm. reflecting on that being such a great. I mean, I don't know. I, Brad and I both, I know, listened to the Wingsuit set from Halloween probably I've listened fifty to it. times. Like, me too. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, and it's just it's the start. Now I think like the song itself is. It's yeah. one of my favorite parts. Um, so, yeah, I hope it comes back. I mean, I don't know. I, there's a couple songs on there that obviously needed major rework, like Snow. Yeah, I could snow do without Snow, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I, well, that, I, I, didn't assume, I didn't assume we were going to hear Snow. You know, you're just like, oh, I won't hear that. But Wingsuit was definitely polished. Yeah, and I really liked Fuego. And, and we did, well, people, I wasn't there, but it was heard. <laughs> yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. Cool, and then the, so this tweezer sort of dissolves right into my friend, my friend, which I thought was I think is cool. I don't know, it's not um, you know, 
it's it's sort of a odd placement in the second set, but I I don't yeah. I wouldn't have minded it. What about what yeah? I felt like it downshifted a little mm-hmm. bit. It got. Mm-hmm. It, it, I thought it, I agree with you. It was kind of strange. It was placed in a strange. It was like putting the brakes on because if you didn't have it there, it would have been birds, Carini, Tweezer, rock and roll, which mm-hmm. would have been. I guess you maybe it was there for a purpose to kind of downshift for a second. But most um, most of the times I've I've heard my friend my friend's been a first set song because oh, yeah. I think yeah. most of the times I've heard it it's you know it was in the 90s when I when I heard it the most so um yeah it was it's surprising placement but it's it's definitely like the breather song it's kind of like where waves fills in but it's it's not a it's a pretty um composed song right they they got to hit a lot of parts before they before they get to the lyrics so yeah. um it wasn't a rest for them but I think it was a rest for the audience yeah, totally. And uh, and rock and roll again. Hearing that in New York is also obviously like yeah. one, of, one of the great fish moments um, yeah. to me, at least. It's and that, great uh, that was a good one. Yeah, it was. And yeah, they, I thought it was really cool. Again, veering slightly away from this show, mm-hmm. but um, when they opened up with it in Hartford after um, oh, Ooh, that God, yeah, yeah, which I thought was awesome. I mean, that was that was a totally cool experience. Yeah, nice. Mm-hmm. Oh, you were at that show. Yeah, yeah, awesome. that was a great show. Cool. I, that was a great show. I'm a Connecticut guy, so if they play in Connecticut. I have to go. Got it. Yeah, nice. I've yeah, seen that's... several shows in Hartford, and I think it's mm-hmm. a it's it's always a good good show. They saw those summer. I saw those summer shows. Um, must have been '09. Yeah, when they played uh, they played Iculus. Yeah, yeah, it was um, wild. And Mockingbird. Yeah, they played Mockingbird mm-hmm. and Iculus. Yeah. yeah, it's good. Good. Good spot. Weird like area when you drive up to that that venue it's the hood man that's that's it that's like the core it's like the core of fishdom you know like the middle of connecticut like boarding school universe yep uh trey you know went to went to school in connecticut and you know and um yeah so i i it's it's a it is a shithole hartford's a huge (laughs) shithole but right 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 but like Dave Matthews and Fish always do, and to the extent Dave Matthews does any good shows anymore, but he always <laughs> yeah. does good stuff there. The so this is like sort of a funny. So the rock and roll, and Brad noted in in your notes that Trey Trey was sort of letting loose a little bit on this. Yeah, um, The um the next two songs, it's like this is so th- thinking about the sort of uh, conversations that people have about Fish on the internet. It's this is classic like play NICU bouncing, so people are like fourth quarter like you know they're they're bombing right like it, it <laughs> right. seems to me when they yeah they play like and i see you which it, the the transition from rock and roll was great i thought and then the bouncing was sort of it's just like odd and i don't know if they play that when they're trying to like take a break or if they're searching for something or if they you know those two songs were a little bit of a um misdirection in a way i don't know jake if you felt that yeah way i do i i hate bats around the room i mean i it's not even <laughs> like a song that i could do with like it's like oh cool it's fine it could be fun but no it's not to me but <laughs> yeah it's it it was kind of a buffer in a weird way um but like i i, I know you alluded to this but like i don't people talk about it online like they're you know like like trey broke every string on his guitar and decided to never play again it's mm-hmm. like the, mm-hmm. they did this is their music. They're doing it for that, you know, like this is, yeah, they, yeah, yeah. They, they made a conscious decision here, whatever their thinking was, uh, and whatever it, it is, what it is, you know? Yeah. I don't, is it a timing thing? I don't know, but like, it, it I, I, they I, don't know how long hood's going to last, you know? I mean, I guess they could guess like eight to 14 minutes or something, but, um, yeah, to me, it's, it's like, all right, well, you know, this is going to, this will be five minutes or, you know, thereabouts. 
I don't know. Yeah, I don't, I don't, yeah, I don't know. The, um, you know, the, the classic sort of quote-unquote set-to killer that people talk about is backwards down the number line, which I don't mm. agree with. I think it's great, and I think it always works. Um, I just don't know what it means. Yeah, I don't either. Well, they're just yeah, happy. <laughs> it's all his friends, you know. Um, no, yeah, but, I, but if, if, if you guys haven't checked out, you should. I'm sure you do, the Tom Marshall SoundCloud, which yeah. he talks yeah. a little bit about it. I think he just posted it, or maybe I just saw the backwards, the original backwards down the number line that that he and Trey did when Trey was in jail or whatever the fuck he was. But, uh, yeah, I was just about uh, to say cool. the same thing, that he wrote that yep. the lyrics for Trey when Trey was like in recovery or in jail or whatever. So right. obviously it has, that has a special special place for them. But speaking of special, this then Into the Hood, which you talked about a little bit already, Jake. Um, yeah. This is, um, I mean, it's this is a really, really, really strong version, I think. The end, Trey is um, more, I think it has more sort of soloing than usual um and you know to hear this song in the garden is it's pretty special yeah it is and it's and i it's what again one of those moments and we do lose uh we do lose sight because like the hollywood hood was awesome and um right. there's been there's been a lot of good to me at least there's been a lot of good hoods recently um so uh but this wasn't i thought this was an extraordinarily strong one also yeah you're right with an awesome end and bug is kind of a weird ending to the set yeah, how do you guys yeah. feel about that they could have ended with hood and i would have been fine with it i remember when yeah. it dropped into bug and i was like huh <laughs> like this is it this is, what, <laughs> this is where we're going after that yeah but yeah it was i'm not a huge fan of it but i'm not a huge fan of the placement and putting it at the end of this but whatever it's fine it's, it's a it's a weird placement and it's um you know luckily there was an encore i guess because you don't want to leave a show with that sort of you know i like i like trey at the end of bug and the where they take it but it's not like they take it far it's just it's just good sounding and that's because i like the way trey sounds so yeah um yeah you know i don't know i i thought back to the hood the beginning of hood was a little different trey was adding little things like you know the the composed part prior to the lyrics he was adding a little bit of different stuff in there mm-hmm. yeah. uh, little little noises here and there or whatever but um and then you know by the end of it it was really cool and i actually thought trey maybe listen to mike a little bit during the show because i i felt his groove kind of in that one of his peak jams um trey was kind of um piggybacking on one of mike's mike's sound earlier or at least pattern earlier in the show so um it was cool and then you went into bug and there's not much pattern or groove or you know you know what i'm saying yeah it's there's, just a different, obvious... different song different feeling yeah. i mean i love yeah. i like bug because it's like i like the crowd participation yeah and the yeah. soloing at the end i think is is great um but yeah you could have ended the set with hood and it would have it would have um, yeah. it was sort of an add-on and so the last like you know bug bouncing and i see you all in like toward the right. end of the second set is just sort of you know i feel like that reflects a lot of the conversation you see online about them it's true you know fucking up in the fourth quarter or whatever sports analogy but um <laughs> but the hood i mean more than more than makes up for it, right and then the yeah. The encore, the tube into Rocky Top into Tweezer Reprise is just sort of like... It's kind of weird. Kind of weird. What was it like? Yeah. Was it it's like kind there? of all over the place. It's, it's not all over Definitely. the place, but it's it's just... I don't know. I'm Rocky, it, it's, it was weird. Tube, listen, anytime, anytime I hear Tube, I like it. Yeah. I think it, I, it is a cool... Because Mike is so strong on it, it is kind of a cool garden song to hear. Um, yeah. Uh, or I, I think Mike is strong on it, but uh, and Rocky Top is high energy. I mean, that's a high energy encore. It's it an is. encore, right? And, yeah, and it's it's a crowd. To me, it's a kind of a crowd friendly encore. So I I had no specific problem with it. Um, uh, but uh, Twee Prize to me, it's like a good. It's a good like 
if I want to beat the crowd, I could he- head out during, I know that's like sacrilege, but I could, I could head yeah. out during the end of that and be okay with that. Yeah, it's it's never. I don't know who said it. Somebody, one of our guests said it, right? RJ, that was like, any time Tweezer reprises on, it's a good time. Yeah. Um, <laughs> it's it's because it's a great high energy closer like that. Um, I would just point out about the whole encore that Mike kind of does that like huge bass mm-hmm. um, at the beginning of the Tweezer reprise. Yeah, and that probably filled the place up. It was right sweet. Yeah, it, that it's awesome. That's that's and, and also in the garden. That's just like mm-hmm. <laughs> right. it's ridiculous, ridiculous and silliness. So, and so you, what? How was it walking out of this show, Jake? What was your what was your sort of takeaway? It's it was my first garden show, so it was like it was the it was the it would that was a those first two nights were unlike any. Actually, the second night. Um, the, this is probably the coolest thing that's ever happened at a fish show. My buddy lost his wallet, uh, left his wallet at the garden, got home, didn't, you know, had no idea where it was. <sighs> he called, he called, uh, lost and found, nothing, obviously. A couple hours later, he got a call and someone returned the wallet to lost and found Jeez. at the garden. Nothing was missing, nothing Whoa. was charged, awesome. which, is nice. cool, which is cool about the fish, kind of a cool thing about the fish community. But I, I was, uh, I thought, that um, the next night, the the third night of that run was kind of strange to me. I thought they really kind of blew their load the first the first <laughs> two nights. I really did. Yes. I thought I thought they yeah. were awesome. But those two nights were just magical to me. I I've never I haven't experienced anything like that at the garden since. Awesome show, Jake. Twelve. 12- 28 2011 we appreciate it and at the end we always like to ask our guests you know to pick their favorite uh the mvp of the show either you know moment or or band member i whatever I, you like i think the for me the the and i i it was a good a great show overall for me but there were the moment the first guitar solo during free, the first Trey solo during free nice. was like, to me, an awesome moment. You could also sign up Trey, I guess, as your MVP um, yeah. for that moment. And I obviously, I talked about Mike about 100 times. So um, Mike's my MVP. I thought he sounded great and led a lot, of, a lot of the good jams that were in the two sets. Yeah. Nice. RJ. I, I guess just to round it out, I guess I'd, I'd say Fishman. Um, I like his when he was yelling, screaming, and Karini, nice. and and I feel like he is um, has evolved so much over the you know past five years. But also right. in 2011, I think the where the, when the Karini and the Tweezers really lock in, I feel like he's it's when he's playing at a different level. Um, right, and that's just I don't know. I've mostly I've just started actually listening and hearing fishman when I, I didn't used to so i don't know Mm-mm. um i just like hear him more than i used to i do too i completely i completely agree with you on that mm-hmm. yep. he sticks out more than he he used to um and if you listen to a 97 like yeah, Weezer, right now, yeah it's yeah. like yeah. he's just playing like a it's like a drum machine you know yeah and he yep. right now it's just he's so it's so complex and i don't know mm-hmm. he's awesome well he's he said he's added a new layer into his playing i mean he's he's he he said it. I think in an interview, he's practicing much more. He's oh, nice. learning a lot. So yeah, I, I completely agree with I you. I didn't I didn't realize that 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 makes a yep. lot of sense. Yeah, um, he must be taking away time from his seven kids or whatever. <laughs> yeah. yeah, he has a lot of kids. Yeah, a lot of kids. Um, just like oh, man. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Uh, I've got none, I've got none, so I'm I'm like maybe I have to catch up. 
No, you don't. Don't <laughs> no. worry about it. <laughs> Take your time. Thanks, Jake, so much for uh, joining us and, and sharing this this with us and um, and for picking the show, letting us revisit it. It's always, I mean, it's always nice to go back and hear a, hear a show that is worth, you know, worthy of revisiting. So it was really fun. Absolutely, and I guess I have to balance it out now by listening to like a 97 show today. So. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> you got to do what you got to do. Yeah. Um, hit us up on hfpod.blogspot.com, on Twitter at hfpod, and email helpingfriendlypodcast at gmail.com. RJ and I have um, started our own personal Twitter accounts related to hfpod, so, I mean, it's getting pretty serious over here. <laughs> so, yeah. uh, <laughs> As a fellow D.C. resident, um, Jake, hope to meet you in person sometime soon. Yeah, um, absolutely. And thanks for uh, for you know contributing to this, and uh, enjoy the rest of the day. Thanks, man. Thanks, guys. It was a lot of fun. Brad, as always, yes. I just want to say to you, I just <laughs> hope that you keep on rocking. powers the world's best podcasts. Here's a show that we recommend. I'm Amara Jones. Every day, the attacks on trans kids grow louder, and more anti-trans bills keep moving through state legislatures. In this season of the Anti-Trans Hate Machine, we're going to illuminate how the right wing has fueled these bills by generating a breathtaking and wide-ranging disinformation campaign. It's spreading like wildfire on the internet. It's then being discussed by families and churches. None of this is an accident. It's a strategy to delegitimize trans people and create a world where our existence is a question. Subscribe to season two of the Anti-Trans Hate Machine, a plot against equality, wherever you listen to podcasts. Acast helps creators launch, grow, and monetize their podcasts everywhere. Acast.com. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18. Plus. Bowie, Dylan, Marley. You've heard the names and maybe you've heard their songs, but what about the stories behind the records that made titans of music like these so universally loved and important? Join me, Josh Adam Myers, host of The 500, as each week I go through a different album from Rolling Stone Magazine's 500 Greatest Albums list from 2012 with an incredible lineup of comedians, actors, and musicians talking about how the music has impacted their lives. New episodes of The 500 come out every Wednesday. Listen now wherever you get your podcasts.